0: week, How many of you know, sometimes we need a message about the application of our faith rather than a message that meets our need. We need a message that will cause us to run to the need. We need a message that will not only tickle our ears, but compel our hearts to act. Why? Because the Bible says that we should not be hearers of the word, but to be doers of the word. The Bible says faith without works is dead. Lord have mercy. I need some help up in this place. I feel like preaching. Some of y'all are saying, Oh Lord, have mercy. That application stuff. Let, let me let me just let me just say this. The knowledge of God's word, the knowledge of who God is, is not where your faith ends. It is where your faith begins. Hold on a second. When you have a knowledge of who God is, there should also be this attitude of servanthood in your life. When you know who God is, you'll want to act on who you know. Somebody look at your neighbor and give to them the title of today's message. Act on who you know. Look at somebody else and say, act on who you know. And because I was not sure which title to use, I've got a second title. And that is give a hand. Somebody look at your neighbor and say, give a hand. Somebody high five another neighbor and say, give a hand. And then you can be seated. Now, here's what I want you to do. I want you to take your Bibles and turn with me to the narrative of Scripture that we're going to explore today. Which is Matthew chapter 9 verses 35 through 38. Mm. I'm going to preach to that cluster of people. As you're turning there, let me establish some context for our conversation today. Everybody say belong. Belong is the theme for Epicenter Church for 2019. Belong. Belong is the series that we've been in. If this series and this theme has blessed you, let me me hear you say, yes, it's blessed me. That's it. Why in the world do I do this? subject myself to such pain we've talked about belonging to God we've talked about belonging to the body of Christ belonging to epicenter church there are benefits to belonging there there is a blessing in belonging but today I want to shift gears and I don't want to talk about the blessing of belonging I want to talk about the responsibility of belonging in Ephesians chapter 2 verses 19 through 22 It's the foundational scriptures for this particular series. I want to read them again just to refresh your memory, but to also give a different emphasis on this particular passage of scripture. I'm going to read it to you in the message translation. Hang on a second. Let me switch over to... Message Ephesians chapter 2, you don't have to turn there, it'll be on the screens for you to be able to see. But Ephesians chapter 2, verses 19 through 22, Paul writes this to the church at Ephesus, and he says, This he says, That's plain enough, isn't it? You're no longer wandering exiles, this kingdom of faith is now your home country, you're no longer strangers or outsiders. Somebody look at your neighbor and say, You're an insider. Look at your other neighbor and say, you're an insider. Now watch this. You belong here with as much right to the name Christian as anyone. God is building a home. He's using us all, irrespective of how we got here in what he is building. Somebody say, God's building something. But hold on a second. It started out with, you belong here. Somebody look at your neighbor and say, you belong here. Belong here. Now look at the other person that you tried to talk to first, but they turn their back on you and say, you belong here too. <laughs> it says he's using you irrespective of how you got here in order to build. He's used the prophets and for the foundation. Now he's using you. Somebody say, who, me? me? Yes, you. Fitting you in brick by brick, stone by stone, with Christ Jesus as the cornerstone that holds all of the parts together. Somebody hand me a brick. Right there's a brick. Hand me that brick. Yeah brick that's it one just one 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 a brick you are a brick somebody say I'm a brick he's using you brick by brick hold on a second Paul is teaching us something here he's placing the emphasis not on just knowing who God is but being involved in the kingdom priorities that he's using you brick by brick he paints this illustration using a brick talking about jesus being the cornerstone and then each and every one of us we're a brick and we're fit into how he is building the kingdom bricks can i talk about bricks for a minute the brick of giving The brick of going, the brick of serving, the brick of inviting. Can I talk about some other bricks that build churches? Let's talk about the cameraman brick. Let's talk about the production team brick. Let's talk about the sound man. Who's a brick. Let's talk about the nursery workers. Thank the Lord for the bricks. Let's talk about all of the children's church team. They are bricks. Let's talk about the host team. They're bricks. Let's talk about the security team. They're bricks. Let's talk about the usher team. They're bricks. Let's talk about the worship team. They're bricks let's talk about the connect group that you need to sign up for today because you want to go to heaven you need to sign up for a connect group bricks each and every one of you is a brick that god is using to work it all together irrespective of how you even got here you have the right to be called a christian lord have mercy The more that I read this passage of scripture, the more that I understood why he was writing this to the church at Ephesus, which gave me a very good understanding of why he's also writing this to the church at Epicenter, because it's more than just knowing who God is. Knowing who God is is not the end of your faith. It's the beginning of your faith. And there is something powerful when we know who God is that happens in our lives because we now know what God is capable of doing. How many of you, mm, I don't know who this is for, but somebody in this place, you're not sure how the turnaround is going to happen in your life, but you know the who. And the who is God, and he's going to help you every single step of the way. If you know he's been with you and for you, then somebody give him a shout. If you know he's peace, if you know, somebody, I look to the hills from where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord. If you know he's Jehovah Rapha, the God who healed you, then praise him. If you know he's Jehovah Jireh who's provided for you, then praise him. If you know he's lifted you up when you've been down and out, then somebody say, I belong to Jesus. Y'all going to make me preach. Paul is making this emphasis on the truth, not just the fact, but the truth of knowing who God is is incredible. But that's not the end of our faith. That's the beginning of it. In other words, with the knowledge of God, The knowledge of God should be accompanied by your burden to act upon that knowledge. Let me say that again. Knowing who God is, you having a knowledge of who God is should be accompanied by your burden to act upon that knowledge. In other words, the information that you have about God is to turn into incarnation let me go one step further how many times have we missed the supernatural opportunities the miraculous opportunities because our minds have been focused somewhere else on something else and therefore we've missed what God has given us to do or better yet how many times have we been unwilling and so the natural problem or opportunity in life is never met by the super so the miraculous never takes place I wrote this down. Let me share this with you. It's not even in your notes. It says this the miracle is not in knowing what God can do, the miracle is in acting upon what God says to do. Hold on. The miracle of belonging does not take place just by knowing Him, the miracle of belonging takes place when someone else gets to know Him through you. Thank you, D. If you stay up here, I'm going to just keep preaching, so you, need to, you might want to calm down a little bit. So now, knowing that, let me take you over to the main narrative in Matthew chapter 9. Because there are some qualities that Paul is talking about in Ephesians chapter 2 that we see present and evident in Matthew chapter 9. And if we begin to live with those qualities, then Ephesians chapter 2 will become real in our lives. In Matthew chapter 9, we have Jesus who's very, very early in his ministry. He's trying to establish a culture. Someone say, a culture. culture. And in establishing this culture, he's hoping that the culture will be emulated by the disciples. So look what he says in Matthew chapter 9, beginning in verse 35. He says this, Jesus went through all of the towns. Jesus went through all of the towns. Jesus went through all of the towns. How many know that little three-letter word, all? How many of you know what all means? All means all, and that's all that all means. He went to all of the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. Verse 36, though, this is the emphasis verse. When he saw the crowds, this is where we're going to spend most of our time. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Hold on a second. We see this perception of the need. It says when he saw them. Somebody say saw. Circle saw them in your Bibles. Right in the margin, draw two eyeballs. When he saw them them there is a perception of the need but then he gives to us the action or the solution to the need that has just been presented it says when he saw them he had compassion on them somebody circle the word compassion in your bible so he's given to us the need if you will The action or the solution. But then in verse 37, he identifies the problem in the body of Christ. Look what he says. He says, verse 37, when he then said to the disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Hold on. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. He's saying that the opportunities are endless, but to find those who are willing to do the work is hard to do. Did you grab that? The opportunities are absolutely endless, but to find someone who's willing to do that work is hard to do. Can I teach for a minute so that I can preach in a few minutes? Is that okay? One theologian, someone who's much, much smarter than I am, he he said this, Jesus was identifying the need. Then he gave to us the problem or or the solution while exposing the problem at the same time. Here's here's what this theologian writes. He says, Jesus sees the greatness of human need as an opportunity, but but that a good harvest can go to waste if laborers don't take advantage of it think about that in terms of agriculture. He says that Jesus sees the greatness of human need as an opportunity, but that a good harvest can go to to waste if laborers don't take advantage of it. Huh. Wow. Before I move any further, let me read you something else in the the message translation. I'm going to read to you. Unless you have it, you can put it up. I want you to you know where I'm going? Somebody help me prompt me upstairs. You know where I'm going. I'm going back to Matthew chapter 9, but I'm going to read it to you in the message. Is that okay? Well, I would read that off the back wall, but that is very small, so I'm going to read it off my phone. It's just the lighting in here, I promise. Matthew chapter 9, verse 35. Hold on a second. Watch this. You've got to grab it. It says, Then Jesus made a circuit of all the towns and villages. He taught in their meeting places, reported kingdom news, and healed their diseases and their their diseased bodies, healed their bruised and hurt lives. When he looked out over the crowds, his heart broke. How many of you are thankful for Jesus who chased after you in the midst of all your mess? So confused and aimless they were, like sheep with no shepherd. What a huge harvest, he said to his disciples. But how few are the workers? But then he says this, On your knees and pray for harvest hands. On your knees and pray for harvest hands. Somebody say harvest hands. Somebody say give a hand. How many opportunities have we missed in the natural, to take the supernatural compassion of God and meet that need. How many times have we seen a need, but yet we haven't had the compassion inside of us to address the need? We've seen the need, but yet that's their problem. Hang on a second. Compassion. Everybody say compassion. What is the opposite of compassion? The opposite of compassion is indifference. Compassion sees the need and runs to it. Indifference sees the need and runs away from it. Compassion sees the need and engages it. Indifference sees the need and makes excuses. Compassion sees the need of a hurting child and compassion gets involved in the hurt of that child. Whereas indifference sees the hurting child and they say, that child's not mine. Compassion gives while indifference says, I'm going to hold on to it because I might need it in the future. Compassion says, I'm, I'm going to help others belong because I know that I belong to God. While indifference says, you don't believe like me, therefore you can't belong. Am I preaching? Hold on a second, because I think we need to understand better the definition of compassion so that we'll understand the context in which Matthew used the word. This particular word for compassion is two Greek words compounded together. The word you and the word splagnos. It becomes "eusplagnos." If you've been here for any amount of time, you've heard me use the word splagnos in other sermons. I've given you the definition of splagnos on multiple occasions. But what I want to do today is give you that definition again to refresh your memory, but also to give you some new complexities to this word. So when Matthew says that Jesus had compassion on them, the word you splagnos, the word you in the Greek means to be deeply motivated. To be deeply motivated, to be deeply stirred. The word splagnos requires a biology lesson. Because splagnos, and I'm going to keep this G-rated, but splagnos is the word that is used for intestines or bowels. Why in the world would the Holy Spirit, why in the world would the Holy Spirit use splagnos, which means bowels or intestines, to represent the the definition of compassion? Splagnos also means a a, a deep desire, an inward e- emotion a, a, a quivering in our spirits if you will let me explain it in a biological way how many of you have ever heard of the bgs okay i'm not talking about the boy band from the 70s or 80s i'm talking about bubble guts Some of y'all are like I ain't believing. Hit the preachers even talking about bubblegum on the stage. Well, hold on a second. You take that up with the Holy Spirit because He chose this word. But but hang on a second. So why would the Holy Spirit choose? Listen, when when your bowels begin to shake and quiver, you get to move. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You push everybody out of the way. You get to the bathroom. I don't have to say Holy Spirit, come back, because this is the word the Holy Spirit chose chose to use. So, so, So hold on a second. Why would the Holy Spirit choose to use this word splagnos? Because let me tell you why. Because when the human spirit opens up, when he, when when that spirit sees a need and that human spirit begins to meet that need, there is something divine that happens because now we have become a conduit for God to use and now we are moving towards the need because there is something deep inside of us that sees the need in someone else's life. And when we see the need in someone else's life, you splagnos takes place because God now wants to use us to meet the need that we see. Compassion. Compassion. Hold on a second. If you think about this, every time you see the word compassion in the Gospels, it always is followed up by some miraculous intervention, some healing, some deliverance, some supernatural manifestation, some, some resurrection, some he- all of those things happen. If you think about it, compassion always yields action. In Matthew chapter 14, I think, Jesus is told that John the Baptist has just been beheaded. He looks at his disciples and he says, I'm going to go to a solitary place. He goes to the solitary place. When he gets there, he turns around and he realizes that the crowd has followed him. The Bible then says he turns and looks at them and says, listen, I've had a bad day. I need to be ministered to in my own hurt. I don't have time for you. No, he didn't say that. The Bible says that he had compassion on them and he healed them of of, of all of their diseases. Then we go over one more chapter, (coughs) excuse me, we go over one more chapter to Matthew chapter 15. And the Bible tells us that Jesus is walking through the village and he comes up on this huge crowd that is hungry. So he sees their need for, 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 for food and what he does is he meets their need. The Bible says he has compassion on them and he fed them. If we go over to Matthew chapter 20, we see that Jesus is walking to Jerusalem to fulfill the Old Testament prophecy that he is to be crucified in Jerusalem. So on the way to Jerusalem, he walks by two blind dudes. The blind dudes find out that it's Jesus and they cry out, Jesus, son of David have mercy on me. He then turns to them the Bible says and said do you understand where I'm going? My problem is bigger than your problem. I have too much on my plate already because I'm about to be crucified so you just be quiet. No it didn't say that. He said bring them unto me and he had compassion on them. He touched their eyes and they were healed. Over in Mark's gospel you have this lepretic dude who runs after Jesus because he has leprosy. He falls at Jesus' feet and he says I need you to heal me. Please heal me, Jesus looks at him and says ooh, don't touch me man you are unclean. No, that's not what Jesus said. Jesus touched him, he had compassion upon him and the Bible said that he was healed. You see generally speaking, when the unclean thing touches the clean thing, the clean thing becomes unclean. But in this case, when the clean thing touched the unclean thing, the unclean thing became clean. Are you with me? Good God Almighty. And this happened time after time, after time after time, after time. Jesus was going through all of the villages, all of the circuits, all all of the towns, all of the streets, looking for people who had a need. You see, we're supposed to be harvest hands. Everybody hold up your hand. Our hands are the hands of God extended. Our hands are when His divine DNA passes through us so that we can begin to meet the needs of those that are around us. So we begin to walk around where God has planted us and we say, you know what? You may be down and out. You may be in a hopeless situation. But let me tell you about the time that I was in a hopeless situation and God opened up heaven for me and I know that he can do it for you give a hand come on and follow me just stand up there then you walk up to somebody else and say oh you're sick let me tell you something the doctor told me one time that I should not live but guess what I know somebody I can't heal you but I know somebody his name is Jehovah Rapha and he is the God who can heal you so come on up come on up then then you go up to somebody else and you say hold on a second man you're discouraged let me tell you something god will bring you a joy that is unspeakable and full of glory so let me put my hand in yours and take you to that place then you walk up to somebody else and you say you need restoration in your life god is a god of restoration he will look down on your difficulty and begin to smile upon you like you have never thought that you would ever receive and he'll begin to do something in your life he'll do exceedingly abundantly above all that you think ask or imagine so come on with me oh You feel like you're in your life's in the storm. Can I tell you something? I know about storms, but Jesus spoke to the storm that was in my life, and He said, "Peace, be still. Come on and follow me." Let me tell you something. Jesus will come to you, and He'll help you. You may feel like you can't take another step, but the Bible says that He will give you rest. So come on and follow me. Oh Lord, have mercy. Y'all stand right here. Let me tell you something. The the problems of culture. Do you know what the problems of culture are? problems of culture are only opportunities for the presence of God to rain down from heaven. Is somebody going to help me preach? Lord have mercy. Let me tell you something. Brick by brick. By brick. By brick. You're a brick. You're a brick. Oh, come on. You're a brick. 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 Oh, everybody in here is a brick. Brick. Good Lord. Somebody give God a hand clap of praise. Because when all of the bricks get together, the Bible says, "Where two or three are gathered in His name, there He shall be in the midst of thee." Good God, I'm. Hang with me upstairs. Jesus identified the problem when he said that the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. The opportunities are endless, but it's hard to find those who are willing to tend to the harvest. And so 1 John chapter 3 verse 17 says something. Put it up for me. Can you read that? That's awful small, isn't it? Let me, let me go to some younger eyes. Can you read that? Barely. Well, barely is better than not at all. So come on up here. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to read that for everyone to hear okay? Um, you're going to read verse 17 first, and then you stop right there. You're going to help me preach, all right? You good with that? Read it. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them, now I can love God and be that person. How? How can, see, I told you it's small, man. How can he he have the love of God and be that person? I think that's what it says, something like that. I'm very, very small. Okay, now hold on a second. I told them to make it bigger. They didn't make it bigger. All right, so listen. Here's the deal. You see that word pity? Everybody pay attention to this. You see that word pity? It says, you have, you see the needs that your brother or sister may have. You have material uh, possessions, but yet you have no pity on them. You know that word pity is the word splagnos? You have no compassion on them. Hold on a second. It says you have no compassion on them. That word, the reason why John uses that is because what he is saying is that you have have compassion in your life, but yet you've built up this wall and you've not acted on the compassion. You hear me? Everybody pay attention right here because this is good. You ready? So let me... Let me try to read this again. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? What does that mean to you? I like put you on the spot, didn't I? I mean, what does it mean? What has no compassion on them? I just told you what it meant. He said said I was lost in the sauce. That's pretty good right there. Woo! I think you mean the Holy Spirit and not last night. Okay, anyway. Um, But watch, watch this. You have to see this. Watch. It says, dear children, let us, they're moving it around, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. All right, come on back. Hold on. Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. What John is saying, what John is saying is that there are really two types of Christ followers. There are consumers, and the consumers receive a blessing from God, but then begin to practice indifference. And then there are Christ followers who practice compassion. What he's saying is that we all know that God has blessed us. How many of you know that God has blessed you? How many of you have received a blessing from God? How many of you have been down and out and he brought you out? How many of you have been saved? You've been healed. You've been forgiven. You've been set free. You've been discouraged and he gave you encouragement. Come on, somebody. I need you to give him 10 seconds of praise because you know that everything that you have is a direct result of his love. Somebody praise him. Y'all can praise him too. Hold on a second. Break, 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 put, put, put the next point up for me. I, I, I'm just so far away from, I don't want to miss this. No, the next point, I think, yeah, leave me. There we go. Okay. So watch this. The flow of blessing coming to you has everything to do with the flow of blessing going out from you. Ronnie, the flow of blessing coming to you has everything to do with the flow of blessing going out from you. Grab this. In other words, if Jesus can get it through you, he's going to get it to you. Are you grabbing this? He's going to give you opportunity after opportunity after opportunity. We all say we're blessed. Many of us just stood on our feet and we said God blessed us. And God has blessed us in a lot of ways. We'll we'll just use 1 John chapter 3 for a minute because he was talking about material possessions. So God's blessed us with a house. That's a blessing. He's blessed us with a job. That's a a blessing. A career, a business, all of those things are blessings. And we should say that they're blessings. But sometimes I think we get so caught up in using God for personal gain. When I think God really means when we read these verses today that those things are blessings. But when we realize how we're supposed to be a blessing in those things, that's when we truly will begin to live what God has called us to live. Because it's not that God has blessed me with a job. How am I going to use that job to bring a blessing to others? It's not that God blessed me with a house. But maybe I need to open up that house to host a connect group. Lord have mercy. When I begin to realize I may be the missing link for the person who needs to belong to God because God wants to use me as a vessel and I'm not going to shut him off because I want heaven to flow through me so that others may come to him. Hello, somebody. So watch this. Watch this. I don't want to miss this. I don't want to miss this. I've been all over the place. I know upstairs. Just hang with me. Hang with me because... Watch this, watch this, watch this. Um, 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 I wrote this down. It's like, it's like this. You you can't have the benefits. He says the, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. How many of you want to harvest in your life? You just want to harvest in your life. Okay, well, with that harvest, you just can't sit back and say, bring it to me, bring it to me, bring it to me, bring it to me there is some labor that is involved you see you can't enjoy the benefits of the church without the sacrifice of being involved hello you you can't have all of the blessing that you want with an unwillingness to be a laborer you can't just say all I want is is more of of God and more knowledge of him and pile knowledge upon knowledge upon knowledge and, and think that that is an excuse for you not to act because let me tell you something if you know who God is you'll act on who you know because God will show you what to do are you with me so I I need to I need to read this again I want to read this because I feel the Lord in this um hold on verse verse 37 Verse 37, put verse 30, way too small. Verse 37, watch this. It says, when he looked out over the crowds, his heart broke. So confused and aimless they were, like sheep with no shepherd. What a huge harvest. What a huge harvest. Hold on a second. Everybody up here, you're a brick. Say, I'm a brick. 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 And God may use your brick differently than he uses his brick, but you're still in the body of Christ. God may use your brick different than his brick, but you're still in the body of Christ. God may use your brick different than her brick, but you're still in the body of Christ, still in the body of Christ, still in the body of Christ, irrespective of how you got here. We're all fashioned and fastened to the cornerstone and your giftings may be different than his giftings and what you need from God right now may be different than what he needs from God right now. Good Lord, have mercy. So let me tell you something. Be his hands. Give a hand, somebody. Give a hand. Give a hand. Give a hand. Somebody needs to hear this. The problem that you're going through in life, the pain that you have, God is about to give you breakthrough. But the only way that you're going to receive that breakthrough is when you become somebody else's breakthrough. That place of pain in your life, God's about to use it as a platform so that you can bring others into what they have, what God has for them. Give a hand. Give a hand of hope. Give a hand of peace. Give a hand of encouragement. Give a hand of joy. Give a hand of breakthrough. Give a hand of grace. Give a hand of healing. Come on somebody, get up on your feet. Maybe you need to give a hand to be a cameraman. Maybe you need to give a hand and work in the nursery. Maybe you need to give a hand to be on the worship team. Somebody shout, give a hand. With every head bowed.